hot, isn't it? <laughs> Do you turn it off again? It's off, okay, good. Yeah. Alright, come with me please to the little book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4. And reading from verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need. For I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. <coughs> Excuse me. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Particularly that verse, For I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. title of my message tonight is, Are You Content? Are you really, truly content? Life is a journey. A journey on which the road we travel is neither straight nor level. It's got hills and valleys. It's got twists and turns, curves and bends. And some days on this journey that we're on in life, some days are colorful and vibrant other days, it's drab and monochrome. Sometimes everything's prosperous and productive. And other times, it's seemingly barren and empty. Some days in this journey, our life is filled with laughter and joy. At other times, it's weeping and tears. Some days you feel so strong, spiritually, uh, that you run towards your Goliaths. And other days you feel like Elijah under the juniper tree. And you say, Lord, it is enough. And that's life. Apostle Paul, he traveled this road too. His journey as a believer was full of twists and turns. He says there, I know what it's like to abound. And I know what it's like to be in need. I know what it's like to have plenty. I also know what it's like to go hungry. But, he said, nevertheless, in all these things I have learned, in whatever state I am, to be content. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, this is a remarkable statement. When you read of all the things that Paul went through in his journey, then it is truly remarkable what he has just said there. He's not speaking in a vacuum here. He's not in some kind of spiritual bubble. I mean, he never talked about spiritual warfare for nothing. It was real to him. He knew the world he lived in. In fact, some of the stuff he went through, if you want to look at that in first, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 
I'll just give you an idea. Second Corinthians chapter 11, just some of the stuff that he had to handle in life. And let's compare perhaps uh, what we're going through. In 2 Corinthians 11 verse 16, it said, I say again, let no one think me a fool. If otherwise, at least receive me as a fool, that I may also boast a little. People had come into the church in his absence, and in his absence, and they were boasting great things and uh, bragging about their so-called greater enlightenment and all the rest of it. So he says, "Well, you treated them very well," and so he says, "It's very foolish to do that." But he says, uh, "Just let me be a fool for a moment. If you see and you accept fools, let me be a fool." This is what he's saying. What I speak, I speak not according to the Lord, but as it were, foolishly in this confidence of boasting. So in other words, the Lord's not telling me to say this because it's foolish, but I'm just going to say it to you, saying you accept foolishness. Seeing that many boast according to the flesh, I also will boast. For you put up with fools gladly, since you yourselves are wise. For you put up with it if one brings you into bondage, if one devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, if one strikes you even in the face. To your shame I say that, you are, that we were too weak for that. When whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly. I am bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool here. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often. Of the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. So you count five times 39, that's a lot of stripes, isn't it? Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day and the night I have been in the deep. In journeys often. In perils of water. In perils of robbers. In perils by my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often. Have you difficulty sleeping sometimes because of your problem? Paul says, I had many, many nights where I just could not sleep. In hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things that comes upon me daily, my concern for all the churches. What a litany of difficulties that this man had gone through. And he listed them all, and he remembered every single one of them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, just back a little bit. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, 
but life in you. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, just for the last, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3, We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed, but in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience, in tribulations, in needs, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand, on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers, yet true, as unknown, yet well-known, as dying, and behold, we live, as chastened, and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing all things. Now, when you read that, don't you see how this man did not live in some kind of spiritual bubble? That at the end of it, he suffered, and he had trials, and he had troubles, and he had all kinds of difficulties that he had to overcome. And so, how could Paul then say in the midst of all of that that he was content in whatever state he found himself? He said, I am content. Now let me qualify that. I do not for one moment think that he's saying I was content with the situations. I was content in spite of the situations. Because I know he didn't mean I was in content with the situation because whenever he got that thorn in the flesh, as he called it, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, he prayed three times that it might leave him. He didn't want it. So he wasn't content with it. But he learned to be content in spite of it. Because God's grace, he says, was sufficient. So how did then he arrive at that position? He said, listen to it, I have learned to be content. So if Paul learned to be content in all of those situations, in spite of those situations, if he learned it, surely there's an implication that we can learn it too. I'm not saying that we have arrived or that we have learned it, but surely there's a possibility that like Paul, we can learn too to be content in spite of the situations that we find ourselves in. Let me give you just a few things tonight that I think that Paul learned that helped him to be content in spite of his circumstances. First of all, something to recognize. And then I want you to give you something to realize and then something to remember. Something to recognize. Recognize that you live in a fallen world. Now that may be as plain as the nose in your face to every believer in the house tonight, but we forget it. Learn Recognize that you live in a fallen world. This is not utopia. This is not an Edenic paradise that 
man used to live in or will live in the future. This is a fallen world. It is a world that is broken. It's dysfunctional. It's a world that doesn't work right. It's a world that's unjust. It's shambolic. It's sinful. It's wicked. It's evil. That's the world that we live in. And the devil, the Bible says, is the God of this world. And he has much influence. So we have to get that straight. That this is a fallen world and there's a God of this world who is the devil who absolutely hates Christians. Despises us. A world that will try to mold us into its way of thinking. Now remember that you and I are living contrary to this world. We are swimming against its tide continually. And sometimes those tides are very strong currents and those currents want to wash us away. So we should not be surprised if from time to time stuff happens in life. Things come against us. Even Peter acknowledged this. 1 Peter 4.12, Peter said, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. <laughs> and I mean, he was talking about, <laughs> he was talking about a, a persecution unto death. He's not talking about just having a wee problem here. And even that he says, don't think it's strange. Don't be surprised. That's the fallen world that we live in. That's the God of this world that will try to come against the believer. This is par for the course. In verse 16 he says, If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. <laughs> you see, in this fallen imperfect world that we live in, bad things happen to good people. <coughs> Did you hear me? Bad things happen to good people. And sometimes as believers, I am shocked at how shocked believers are when bad things happen to good people. Peter says, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. It's not a shock. It's par for the course. It's the world that we live in. Sometimes it's directly the devil's fault. Other times it's indirectly his fault. He works through people. Sometimes people can make life very awkward for you. Did you notice that? Either in work or in school or a neighbor or whatever, sometimes people can make life very, very difficult. And sometimes they don't even know why they're doing it. You've never done anything on them. You've never said anything to them. You've only ever been gracious or kind. And yet, for some reason or other, they can't even explain themselves. They just hate your guts, <laughs> to put it mildly. What is that? It's this fallen world that we live in. Sometimes, and we have to hold our hands up, <coughs> Clifford alluded to it there during that time of worship, sometimes it's because we mess up. We blunder. We get it wrong. We make mistakes. We're human. We're not perfect. And sometimes we kind of get away with those mistakes. But sometimes we don't. And sometimes we have to work through some stuff to get out the other side. In our humanity. 
And so we need to accept that, that we live in a fallen world that's prone to having problems and difficulties and life situations, that we're prone to make mistakes in our humanity. We'll have to accept that and then move on to how am I going to handle it when it happens? Because it is going to happen. There's nothing surer than that. So how am I going to handle it when it happens? Look at all the list of things that happened to Paul. He didn't deny any of it. He couldn't escape most of it. <laughs> most of it wasn't even his own problem. It just happened. But he learned how to handle it. The good, the bad, and the ugly. So first of all, recognize that you live in a fallen world. And bad stuff from time to time is going to happen. Secondly, realize that you can do all things through Christ. That's what Paul said. I can do all things through Christ. I can face all things through Christ. I can endure all things through Christ. I can fight all battles through Christ. I can overcome all things through Christ. Whatever comes my way, Paul says, I can do this through Christ. And he had a lot to do, hadn't he? So look at your problem tonight. Whatever your problem is, whatever you're facing, whatever you're staring down the barrel of tonight, you can do this through Christ. You've got to tell yourself that. You've got to believe that. You've got to understand that. Paul says, I have learned to do this. Didn't come naturally. He says, I had to learn to do this. See, with Paul, Jesus was his rock, his fortress, his shelter, his strong tower, his place of refuge. He could not depend on the arm of flesh. As much as people are good and as much as they will try to help, you cannot depend on the arm of flesh because it will fail. It will fail. In 2 Timothy 1.15 Paul said these words. He said, all those in Asia have left me. Think of that statement for a moment. All of those in Asia that he knew, that he trusted, that he had led to Christ, all those people that he thought would be helpful, every last one of them left him. <laughs> so here's a man who has learned you cannot depend on the arm of flesh even with the best will in the world, with the best of people who want to help and who maybe do help from time to time, but someday their help will fail. What are you going to do then? You have nobody left, only the Lord. And that's the situations that Paul found himself again and again and again. In 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, Second Timothy chapter four. Listen to what he says here in verse fourteen uh, uh, and following. He says, "Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works." 
You also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. <laughs> Isn't that a lovely scripture? But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Now, to be fair, maybe you're not in that position. Maybe you have true blue friends. And maybe you have people who, that you can count on. And if you say, pray for me, they'll pray for you. If you ring up and say, could you meet with me? They'll meet with you. Thank God for that. But someday, for some reason or other, you may not have them. And there may come a point someday, somehow, where all will forsake you, whether intentionally or unintentionally. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. <laughs> I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you even unto the end. Now there's a promise to keep, isn't it? There's a promise to hold to right there. And so, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Paul invested time, energy, knowledge, wisdom into Demas. Grooming him for ministry. And then he upped and left him. What a disappointment. All that effort, all that time, all that instruction, all that encouraging, all that putting the arm around the young man, all that taking him aside and correcting him when he needed it, all of that to mold him and to make him into a man of God. And then suddenly he up and left. Having loved this present world, Demas has forsaken me. What a disappointment. Have you ever been disappointed in people? Has somebody ever truly, really, really let you down? And you looked at them and thought, how in the world could they have done that? But they did. But nevertheless, the Lord stood with me and he strengthened me. Glory to God. So realize that tonight that you can do all things through Christ. He's on your side. He's not going to leave you nor forsake you. He will never let you down. He will always be there when you need him. If I asked tonight, not that I will because you're not prepared, but if I was asked tonight for six people to stand up here and give a testimony of how there was a time in your life when the Lord drew very close to you and helped you through your situation. You could stand up here tonight and say, yeah, I proved in God's faithfulness. Yes, the Lord was with me. When I was going through my difficulty and my grief and my sorrow and my hurt and my pain and my loss of job and my health broke or whatever, but the Lord was with me through it all. And sometimes it's only going through that stuff that you find that out in practical terms, how the Lord is with you. So recognize we live in a fallen world. Realize that you can do all things through Christ. And then remember, Christ 
is your strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In John 16, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. In the world you shall have tribulation. It is unavoidable. It's inevitable. It will happen to some degree or other. What did Jesus say? Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. I've overcome all of the tribulations of this life. I've overcome them all. And I will be with you, and I will strengthen you. 1 John 4, 4, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The greater one lives within each and every one of his children. And that's how we can overcome because Christ in us is our strength. John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Ah, we all know what fear feels like, don't we? We all know what a troubled heart feels like. We've all been there. We've all had those moments when we got that phone call or that letter in the post or that doctor's report or whatever it may be. And we all know in those moments, particularly in those first few moments, how that fear wants to grip your heart or how suddenly you become so uneasy and unsettled and that's the time we've got to claim God's peace in our hearts. Jesus says, my peace I give unto you. Think of the peace that Jesus had. Think of it. Imperturbable. There's a big word like marmalade, isn't it? Total peace. In spite of everything he was going through and facing, there was a peace. There was a calmness. There was a coolness. And Paul says, I have learned whatever state I'm in to be content, to trust the Lord, to allow his peace to fill my heart. I'm not sure that we're there yet. I'm not sure that I'm there yet. But I want to be heading in that direction. I want to be heading in the direction where if something happens, even though initially I may feel the fear and the uneasiness and all that, but I want to feel that I'll be able to overcome that with the peace of Christ in my heart. That his peace that he gives unto us will not just be words on the page, but it'll be something that's real and true in our hearts let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. It will want to be. It will desperately try to be. But we've got to try to prevent it. We've got to try to stop it. We've got to try to say, no, no, I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to believe 
He's in my side. Nothing's bigger than him. He's bigger than any mountain I face. And we can handle this together. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now what he says? I will give you rest. But we've got to come unto him. But you know what we do? We try to run with it ourselves, don't we? Instead of coming unto him and saying, Lord, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to work this out. So I'm going to come unto you and I'm going to rest in you. That doesn't mean to say that we don't try to do whatever we can do doesn't mean to say that sometimes you just have to use your common sense and any brains that God has given us. doesn't want us to part our brains. But after we've done all that we can normally expect it to do, and there's still no answer and we can't do no more, we've got to say, Lord, I can't do any more with this. Lord, I lay at your feet. That King Hezekiah, he took that letter and he left it down and said, Lord, there it is. There's the threat. There's the boast of the enemy. Lord, go ahead and read it. <laughs> and the Lord did read it. Of course, the Lord knew what was in the letter anyway. And the Lord had an answer for it. But he had to lay it down. And sometimes that's what we've got to do too. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. Peter said, 1 Peter 5 and 7, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Not some of it. Not most of it. All of it. He said, David, well, I cast my care upon the Lord when I go to sleep at night and I wake up and I take it back again. <laughs> Am I the only one ever done that in here? I don't think so. We tend to do that, don't we? Say, there you are, Lord. The only way I'm going to get to sleep tonight is just lay this at your feet and we lay it in prayer at the Lord's feet and say, there you are, Lord. It's your problem. And we get up the next morning and we take it right back again. We worry ourselves sick all day. <laughs> and well, I'm going to get to sleep tonight. I've got to get rid of this. <laughs> and we take it back the next day. He says, cast it upon the Lord for he cares for you. There's a secret. He cares cares for you. Now Clifford tonight tried to reiterate again and again and again how much God cares for us. How desperate he is to draw us into his presence where he can bless and care for us. The psalmist in 55 verse 22 says, cast your burden upon the Lord. He shall sustain you. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. And God cared about the widow's oil. He cared about the widow's son. He cared about the widow's might, didn't he? And God cared about Jairus' daughter. He cared about Peter's temple tax that he couldn't pay. He cared about all these details. And this is the God who cares about us tonight. This is the one that Peter says, cast your care upon. This is the one that Paul learned to trust in, to be content in. God who 
measures out the heavens with a span. God who hung the world upon nothing. God who spoke the stars into existence. God who counts the number of the hairs of your head. God who counts the very spiral that falls. That's the God that we serve tonight. That's the God that cares about your need. That's the one that we cast our burden upon. Amen? And that's why at the end of it, the Apostle Paul was able to say in Acts 20, 24, none of these things move me. I am not going to be distracted. I'm not going to be put off course. I'm not going to be moved to the left or to the right. I'm going to keep going straight on in the plan of God. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? You see, in this life, this fallen world, everything tries to move us off track with God. God has a plan. He's got a plan for our lives. He's got a pathway for us. And the devil will try every way possible to get you off into that. Paul says, none of these things move me. Of course, he went on to say, neither count I my life dear unto myself. <laughs> That's how determined he was to do the will of God. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Huh. Colossians 1, 23, Paul urges to continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast. So what is your problem tonight? What are you specifically, particularly facing tonight as an individual? Look at it and say, God, is this bigger than you? Is this need greater than you are? Can this be met? Can God get me through this that I'll come out the other side better than before I went into it? Will I learn all my lessons that I need to learn? Because sometimes we need to do that. Will I be able to overcome in all these things? And the answer is absolutely yes, without a doubt. Because that's God's word. That's the promise of God's word. And Paul somehow or other had got to that place in life. He says, I'm content even though all hell is raging around me. And it seems to be all hell is coming against me. Well, he says, it's not going to move me. Because I am content. <laughs> he says, I have learned in whatever state I am just to be content. God's going to take care of it. Isn't that a wonderful attitude to have? Now, I don't know about you, but I am not fully there yet. I will freely admit that to you. But I'm heading in that direction. That's my aim. Of course, as soon as you say that, you're going to be challenged, aren't you? Did you ever say something, and as soon as you say it, before you get home that night, then you have to put it into practice? <laughs> yeah, we've all done that too, haven't we? But at the end of the day, if we truly, truly believe that Christ is our strength, that he's our comfort, that he's our security, and he's our strong tower. If we truly believe it's not just words that we sing or words that we preach, but 
it comes to be that we truly, truly believe that, then whatever comes our way, God will give us the strength to handle it, to go through it, to overcome it, whatever it takes, whatever it needs, it's available in Christ. Our strength comes from him who strengthens me, Paul says, and he strengthens you. Will you stand with me?